Well, it is so good uh, to be together uh, with you today. Let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever done something for someone and uh, they don't say, or they don't have the audacity to say, thank you? I mean, every parent in the room says, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Um, have you ever done something for someone and in return you expected them to do something for you or you expected some type of reward even if it was as simple as a thank you? Now, more on that in a minute. Um, my name is Casey, and if we haven't met, I am so grateful that we get to share this time together. And for those of you that are new with us in the room, uh, we're so grateful that you're here today. And I just want to remind you that we have a gift for you at the end of the service. We'd love to give that to you. Uh, so if you'll make your way back to the welcome table, uh, Miss Alicia's back there, and she'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. Also, for those of you that are online and you're new with us, we have a gift for you, and uh, we would love to send that to you. And if you'll let us know that you're new with us by filling out the Connect form that they are posting right now on the link in the chat below you that if you're on our online campus and for those on social media, they're posting a, a link there in the chat, uh, in the comments there. You can uh, take that and we'd love to send you a gift for being with us. And we're so grateful for every one of you online that are joining us right now. Hey, Westside, uh, let's let everyone online as well as those who are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. So we've been talking about entitled and you may go Casey that's not a real word you're not you're right it's not a real word it's a word I made up and uh, this is what entitled is entitled is the attitude of entitlement that's exactly what it is it's the attitude of entitlement and you know someone I mean every one of us can picture someone with entitlement I mean when you think of entitlement here's the thing is your mind goes to a co-worker your mind goes to a family member your mind goes to someone in the neighborhood your mind goes somewhere and most likely it's not you because we never think about it, about us. You know, they're the ones that have this attitude that they're entitled to something special or they have, they're entitled to some special treatment. Now, I've also given you what my definition of entitlement is, and this is my working definition of entitlement. And the way, reason I say working, I'm willing for it to change, but man, this has been such a good one for me that I haven't let go of it. Entitlement is when a privilege becomes the expectation. I mean, isn't that what it is? When the privilege turns into this expectation. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to spot this in others, but it's so difficult to see it in ourselves. When this privilege of having that friend who loaned you that tool over and over again. I mean, every time you go and you ask them, hey, man, can I borrow that? Yeah, you can borrow that. And when they, one day you go to borrow it and you go, oh, I gave that away. You gave it away. Not to me. I mean, after all the times that I've asked for to borrow that, you didn't even think about me? Uh, it's never happened to me. <laughs> what about the privilege of living in a country? And uh, maybe this is closer to my heart because I just came back from South Africa. Uh, and Cassie and I moved back here to the States um, seven years ago after living in South Africa. And I remember that the being over there, I realized the privilege of living in a country like America with all of our advantages and all of our blessings. And the reality is, is I became convicted when I lived there of all the things that I took for granted. And I remember the overwhelming feeling that Cassie and I felt when we returned uh, to the States. 
And just the overwhelming feeling of the privilege that me, uh, that I had, that my wife had, and that my kids had of being born as U.S. citizens. I mean, just the privilege of carrying a U.S. passport was unique. And for those of you that traveled around the world, you know, you can get into most any country just because you're a U.S. citizen. And you can stay there for 90 days without even having to get any permission granted to you from the government. It's already been granted. And I took that for granted. And, and, and Cassie and I made a statement when we moved back here. We made a statement that it will be a long time before we complain about America. And I think we've stayed pretty well true to that. And there may have been a couple slips here over the last seven or ten years. But every once in a while, can I be honest with you? You know, entitled to raises its ugly head. Entitled to, because that's what it does. It's a part of my flesh, and it raises its ugly head in my life. And as a lead pastor, you know, you think you got entitled to down, but no, no, no. Entitled to will, will raise its ugly head. And, and as someone who's planted a couple churches, entitled to can creep into my life, and, and it can creep up. And, and, and all of a sudden, the privilege of being entrusted to, to lead a couple churches, the, the privilege of being able to lead people to Jesus, the privilege of being a, of God's under shepherd of his people, his church, gets overshadowed by my selfish desires and my entitled demands. All because I think that my hard work deserves to be seen and should be seen. Or that my well-informed opinion should be heard. I get entitled. And here's what happens in me. And it also happens when you, when entitled to creeps back into our life. And this has been our series' big idea. See, when privileges become expectations, I won't experience the joy and the blessings of life. I lose the joy of once what was a privilege. I lose that joy that came from, from that privilege that I once had a joy in that. And I also lose sight of the blessing of something because now I took that blessing for granted. Now, in week one, we learned that uh, we can diagnose this, and we, and we looked at the symptoms to help us understand that we have con- the entitled to. And we looked at Scripture, uh, specifically the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and we looked at the symptoms of complaining, comparing, and controlling. And then last week, we turned to Dr. Jesus, and we said, Dr. Jesus, you help us with this. And then last week, we turned to him, and we looked at the first dose for the cure of entitled and we learned that through Jesus, we have to choose the hard things. It's the hard way that helps us choose to, um, not choose, helps us to overcome entitled The Taking the hard way is the first way to overcoming entitled And Jesus, we looked at his hard way. His hard way is choosing to serve others as opposed to being served by others in that expectation. And so today we're also going to go back to Dr. Jesus and say, give us a second dose. And we're going to look at the second dose to curing entitled And again, this is a hard dose. This is a hard teaching. But all of Jesus' teachings, most of them are hard, but I'll tell you this, they're loving. And when you follow them, it's his promise, not mine. They become life-giving. 
And so in, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17, and I want you to go ahead, and if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to uh, start in verse uh, 7 here in a moment, but I want to summarize the first uh, six verses here, if, if I can, real quick. So in this, this is a very difficult teaching from Jesus, and in this, um, he gives them a hard teaching again. In verses 1 through 3, Jesus teaches that there's, there are going to be things in this world that cause people to sin, stumble, or fall. There, it's going to be, there are going to be things that cause people to sin. But this is what Jesus says. Just don't be the person that causes other people to sin. It's the warning. You know, it's best not to be that person who causes others to dishonor God. And then in verses 4 and 5, Jesus turns this around. And he says, this is the type of person you should be, that we need to be the people who help people who are caught in their sin. And the way he gives us direction, he gives us direction on how we help people who are caught in their sin, that we need to be there to help those who are dishonoring God. And he gives us direction on how to do this. And he says, you address their sin, you, 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 you address their sin and you lovingly do that. And it, 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 it's, it feels like a rebuke, but in your love, you want the best for them. And so you address their sin. And when they repent, you're not going to hold a grudge against them. You're going to forgive them. When they repent, and you wash, rinse, repeat this as many times as they repent. You, you, you address it. When they repent and confess it, you forgive them. This is what we are to do as Christ followers, because we're going to be there for those when they are caught and they're in a, in a, in a, in a habit or in something that's dishonoring God. We're going to be there to lovingly help them follow Jesus. And in this, addressing the sin was not the problem, because this Jewish culture and these disciples... They were good at that. Maybe like us. I mean, it's so easy to point out other people's problems. <laughs> I'll tell you where you're short and following Jesus. I'll tell you where you're sinning. And, and in this, their Jewish culture were experts at this. They were experts at pointing their finger at other people. They were experts at this. And so that wasn't shocking to them. You know what was shocking to them? It was shocking that they had to forgive them as often as they would have to forgive them. Because I have to do this up to seven times. I mean, like, okay, God, I, Jesus, I can get like one or two times the person repents, I'll forgive them. But if they do it again and they come back to me and they say they change their ways, they confess it, you want me to do it that many times? Man, that, that takes a person with a lot of faith. In fact, this is what their words are. Exact, God, Jesus, increase our faith. And then Jesus says something very, very powerful. And, and, and in this, Jesus tells them, you don't need more faith. You don't need more faith. The tiniest amount of faith, you know what the tiniest amount of faith can do? Jesus' words, not mine. The tiniest amount of word, faith, it can uproot a 20-foot wide, 40-foot high mulberry tree. The tiniest amount of your faith. You don't need more faith. You need to just obey. And then Jesus, without hesitation, addresses the entitlement of these disciples. But more than that, he addresses the entitlement of a Jewish culture, a nation. And there's a message in here for us. A Jewish people who thought that they were entitled to something, a people who were under the rule of Rome, they were oppressed, but they felt entitled to something different. A people who had God had chosen them and had thousands of years of God intervening on their behalf. A people who thousands of years ago, God say, I'm going to make you into a nation and God has preserved that. He's kept that. 
a people who had been given a promise from God that the Messiah, a deliverer, was going to come and rescue them because they were God's chosen nation, God's chosen family. They were God's nation. They were one nation under God. And that meant they had special privileges. And this is what Dr. Jesus says to them. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now. I mean, you've had a hard day at work. Come sit with me and eat with me. I mean, this is what it, it's an implied invitation to have dinner with the master. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he's told to do? Now, remember last week, remember that teaching we talked to last week where he looks at his disciples and says, not so with you. That's hard. Well, this is just as hard. He looks at them. And then this story, the master, he, he says to his disciples, he says, so you also. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. I just want you to look at that verse. Let that sink in. That's difficult. And some of you might go, Casey, that's really harsh. It is a very difficult saying of Jesus. It's a very hard, I mean, that is a difficult pill to swallow right there. When, slave, when the slave finishes his daily work, he doesn't receive any special reward. And you, you expect us to act like that? And not just act, be, you expect that, be, that, that, that attitude from us that, that, that we, we wouldn't even expect a meal from this or even a thank you. I mean, that, this, this simple reward of a thank you from the master would be good enough. We shouldn't even expect that. And then Jesus says something right after that, and it should, just, it should be embedded in our minds. That, that, but, and, and it really, it was something to all the nation of Israel. And he says, it's more than just to his disciples, it's to the nation of Israel. But it's also to me. When you've done everything you've been told to do, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Man, that is so hard. That is so hard. See, now let me tell you why that was hard for the Jews. See, for the Jews, the Pharisees, who were their leaders, their religious experts, they were, they, they were the experts in the Hebrew Scripture. I mean, this was the Scripture that they had. They were experts. They would teach the Jews that it was their performance that would guarantee an, a reward, that your good works entitled you to a reward. I mean, this is what your good works entitled you to have is something in return. And, and, and they, what they were ignorant to was something so important. They were in, ignorant to this reality that no one can put God in their debt. I mean, think about it. To put, say, if, as if God owes you, it's to say you're more important to God and then now God is indebted to you and the reality is, is God is indebted to no one. Now, don't misunderstand me here because it's not that God doesn't reward those who are faithful to him. He does. 
It is that we should not do things with the expectation of a reward or even a thank you. See, when I live in the truth and when you live in the truth that everything you have and everything you are, it comes from God and belongs to him. This is the reality. When you live in this truth, we realize you, we are owed nothing in this life. When everything is his, it belongs to him and, he, and he's given it to us. Everything I have and everything, I'm owed nothing. Everything I have is a gift. I am an unworthy servant that's been even given this. I am owed nothing. And when I realize that I'm not entitled to even the breath in my lungs right now, which is a gift of God, who am I to think that I deserve special treatment from God or from others for preaching his word with his breath? See, the Jews expected something. The Jews expected God to send the Messiah to save them. Now, there's a good expectation and there's a bad expectation. You know, the good expectation is an expectation that is anticipating. It's anticipating it. The bad expectation is a disease because you think you deserve something. Instead, the Jews should have acknowledged the privilege of being God's chosen nation. They should have acknowledged the privilege that God had chosen them, a nation that had not existed in his miraculous power, made it possible for them to be a nation. God chose them to be a nation, and it was through whom they would be a nation, through whom God would reveal his, himself through the Messiah and deliver them. He would reveal himself to the world through this nation. What an amazing privilege they had. And for you and me, in this day and age, who are the recipients of that promise that came through salvation, through faith, by God's grace alone, displayed through Christ Jesus, we are no different. We need to acknowledge the privilege of just being offered salvation. To even hear about the good news of Jesus is a privilege that should be on the forefront of our thoughts. It should be the rose-colored lens that, that is on every Christ follower's life. That this is the lens we see the world through. This is the lens we see every circumstance through. This is the lens we see every difficulty through. That we've even been given the opportunity to hear the good news of salvation by faith through God's grace alone. And that demands... A different response, which we recognize we are unworthy to be included in your household. See, it is through God's grace alone that we are saved and our response in everything, in everything, in everything should be gratitude. And that's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to give thanks in everything. I mean, it's hard to give thanks in sickness and in death. It's hard to give Thanks in loss, in grief. But the only way to live like this is to have our hearts transformed by the Holy Spirit of God and to have our minds transformed by the truth of God. See, the lies of this world and the lies of our flesh is what will lead us into the entitlement that, we want, that, that, that it wants us to have. And, and the lie of the world and the lie of the flesh is, is, is what it wants you to believe. And, see, and this is what it'll lead you to say. See, entitled to says, you deserve something in return. This is what entitled to says. 
I deserve to have someone acknowledge my, my hard work. I mean, if someone just acknowledged my hard work in this company, it'd be great. Maybe I should pull a Dwight Schrute right now and just go out and say, I mean, you know what? I'm going to find a company who values my loyalty a little more. Thank you for getting that. I deserve to have special treatment. I deserve, after all, look at who I am. Look at who I am into this family. If this family didn't have me, I, man, they, 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 they take me so for granted. My spouse takes me so for granted. My coworkers take me so for granted. After all, look at all I've done for this place. Look at all I've done for this group of people. But when our hearts are transformed by the Holy Spirit of God and our minds are transformed by the, God's truth, his truth that everything I have and everything I am, it comes from him then I don't respond with entitlement anymore. I respond with gratitude. See, gratitude says I'm grateful because all I have and all I am comes from God. There's a humility in this. There is a humility that should mark every Christ follower. See, all my relationships, I I recognize that all my relationships are from God. And, And your spouse... Is a gift from God. You may not feel like it all the time, but you need to look at your spouse right now and say, you're a gift from God to me, baby. Your kids may not act like gifts from God, but you know every one of your children are gifts from God to you. They, they, you, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. And you go, Casey, I didn't even want it. It doesn't matter. You... <laughs> They're gifts. They're gifts. They're gifts. Every relationship, your coworker, the, the neighbor that you don't even like, and all those in your HOA don't even like. Because everything you are and everything you have, it comes from him. All your possessions. I mean, the phone that we put in our pocket, you know what? It, 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 it can consume you, but it can be a gift, and a gift that should be a tool. I mean, the fact that I can open my garage from my phone is an amazing. The fact that I have a garage door opener that can talk with my phone is an amazing thing. The fact that I have a garage <laughs> in a world that looks at us and goes, you have a little home for your vehicle? And we go, yeah, we do, but most of us don't even park it in there because it's full of other stuff that God's given us. And we post, we, we have to park that on a concrete slab. You have a concrete slab that you put that on? I drive on a dirt di- driveway. I have to walk on a dirt driveway. And we have all of these things in our home. We have clothes on our back that don't have many holes in it. We have a roof over our heads that's not made of tin and it doesn't leak. And we have walls that are made of wood and they got insulation in them and it keeps us warm in the winter and it keeps us cool in the summer. We have an AC unit that works and sometimes it breaks, but who do, we can make one phone call and in 30 or 40 minutes, well, sometimes, um, somebody will be there to fix it. And God's given you a job. You know, Casey, I'm a self-made man. No. See, your abilities to earn that, your ability to put you into that intellectual ability to, to govern all of that, manage and all of that, that doesn't come from you. You did a lot of hard work to develop that, but God gave you that. And that opportunity, you know, if it weren't for that one coworker, that in his or her grace invited you in on that project, and it was that project that put you in front of this panel of people, and they're the ones that invited you.
are you to think that you earned that? See, the truth is, is everything you are and everything you have, it comes from God. Let God's truth transform your thinking. And it will put entitled in its place in your life. And this is what Luke is wanting his, reali- his readers to realize. We are unworthy. Yet God has forever forgiven us and he has called us into his kingdom family and into his kingdom service. What a privilege. What an incredible privilege we are unworthy of. But God saw you before you were even born. And your parents may have said they didn't want you, but he wanted you. And he called you. He let you hear the good news of who he is. And he gave through his grace you the strength. And he, he, he allowed your will to see his love for you. And he wanted you to be a part of his kingdom family and be a part of his kingdom purpose. And he hasn't just forgiven you one time. But I'm so glad in my life, every time I come back to God and say, God, I I, I keep on messing this up and I come back to you, forgive me. I repent and I turn back to you. I'm glad he's like that prodigal God who's waiting for me just to turn around. And he meets me because he's looking for me and he's there. And this is what he is. This is my God. And he's not just forgiven me one time, but many times. And his forgiveness is always there when I confess my sin and turn to him. And God has brought me into his family and he's put me and gifted me and he's gifted you and he's put you into a kingdom service for him. What a privilege. And this is what Luke wants you to see. This is what Luke wants me to see. And this is what our response should always be. Our response to God is always, is always, is always gratitude. And that, though, is a difficult pill to swallow. Because we don't always feel grateful, do we? Because, you know, gratitude and being grateful is a discipline more than it's a feeling. But in our text, we don't see what Luke's wanting us to see yet. In fact, we're about ready to see it. Because he's going to show it to us through what happens next as Jesus makes this lesson a reality for his disciples. Verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a a village there, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw him, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And Luke includes a detail that is very important. And he was a Samaritan. Now, the important detail here is because Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Uh, We've we've learned this as we've studied Scripture, that Samaritans uh, uh, were seen by the Jews as the unwelcomed underclassmen. Okay, they, they were not the, the not so goods in, in the area. In fact, they were like kind of like um, if they were like the disobedient stepchildren. Like if they were in a cartoon, that's who they would be depicted as in Cinderella, and um, they, th- that's who they would be is in this. And and this man was even less than that because he was a leper. He had a skin disease that made him ceremonial unclean, and anybody he was around, they became ceremonially unclean. 
And so they, he was not just a Samaritan. He was a, a, the least of the Samaritans, an outcast. In fact, he had a socially distant from not just the Samaritans, but even from the Jews. And that's why he stood from a distant. And in the story, Jesus, God himself, chose to heal him. And so he, a Samaritan, was the only one who returned with this compelling need to say thank you. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, by Jesus saying, we're not all ten cleansed and we're the other nine and you're a foreigner, Jesus was implying that the other nine were Jews. See, the, did those Jews expect Jesus to heal them because of who they were? Is that why they didn't return? After all, Jesus was Israel's Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. They believed he was a Messiah, but they may have believed that, you know, God, you, you sent him here for us. After all, he's healing everybody else. We, got, we, we deserve to have some of that. We're Jews. This is what he was sent to do. He should do this for me. See, this was, by Jesus saying this, this was an indictment, not on those nine men. As much as it was an indictment on the nation of Israel. And it's an indictment on me as well. See, when I don't express my gratitude, it's seen as entitled to That's what unexpressed gratitude is. Unexpressed gratitude is entitled to. Gratitude expresses, gratitude realized. Gratitude given is a grace that has been grasped. Gratitude expressed becomes real. And gratitude. See, the way of Jesus is this. The hard way of Jesus that overcomes entitled to is to, to give thanks, not to expect thanks in return. This is who and what we do. And in fact, this is the teaching big idea I want to leave you with today, that I am not, you are not entitled to anything. I am not entitled to anything. So I will express my gratitude to God for everything. See, it's a hard pill to swallow from Dr. Jesus. Because, and it's a hard pill because we think we deserve something. See, to be thankful for everything is difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because if, if there's something for which you say, I just don't know if I can be thankful for that, that right there is an acknowledgement that you believe you deserve something better. You think you deserve something else. If I can't be thankful for this, Casey, you don't understand what I went through. You're telling me I got to be thankful for this? Not me. This is what scripture says. You don't understand what I went through. In that, we're saying that we deserve something else. But the reality is we're not entitled to anything. 
So we need to express our gratitude to God for everything. And this is how we indeed defeat entitled. This is how we get rid of this virus in our minds. It's this attitude we defeated by always expressing our gratitude. And we, but here, let me, let me just say something. We need to recognize something. There is a difference between being grateful and expressing it. Being grateful is different than expressing my gratitude by giving thanks. I can feel grateful, yet never express it. I can feel it, but never give thanks for it. See, gratitude is more than a feeling. And how many times have we done this? I've done this. Man, I'm grateful. I just don't feel the need to express it to anybody. (laughs) And here's why expressing it is so important. See, saying thank you acknowledges God's grace in every circumstance. You need to realize this, that saying thank you is a recognition of God's grace in every difficulty, in every trouble, in every trial. You're you're recognizing God's grace in it. And this becomes a reminder to us to look for God's grace in the middle of the difficulty that you're going through. This is a reminder to look for God's grace in that trouble and that hard circumstance. And you know what that also becomes? Our testimony of who our God is. It's a reminder uh, to you, but it is a testimony to others of who our God is. In every, so what do we need to do? We need to tell God, thank you. Well, he knows it in my heart. No, you tell God with the words from the breath that he's gifted you. You use your very words in the lungs or you type it out if you have a difficulty speaking or you just lost your voice. You, type, you, you express it to God, thank you. In every circumstance, we need to tell God thank you for everything and in everything. And we have three opportunities to do this. Do you know you have three natural opportunities to help change this and defeat entitled to every day to tell God thank you and to recognize that everything you are and everything you have, it comes from him. It's in your meals. Look what Jesus models this for us. In, in Matthew 14, it says, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke it. He broke the loaves. See, Jesus gave thanks to model that we are to be thankful. Thankful for what? That everything we have, including this meal, you may thought you earned it with your paycheck. You may thought you worked hard for that Popeye sandwich. No, but you recognize this comes from God. Everything I have and everything I am, it comes from God. And see, when we give thanks for our food, we, we are acknowledging it from God. And we're blessing God for our meal. It's not that, you know, Casey, what about blessing your meal? You know, blessing your meal... Um, is, is, I think, a misinterpretation of Scripture. And it doesn't mean that you're, you've been doing this whole thing, God bless the hands of those who prepared it, bless this food to the, our bodies. Because it's been given to you by God, it's already blessed. Now, we get that because there are a couple of Scriptures where we see that they, they blessed it, but there is a Jewish custom that was a part of the Jewish culture that during the meal, they would bless God. This was the blessing they would say. They would bless. And this is exactly what they would say. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth breath, bread from the earth. This was the blessing the Jewish culture would give. 
See, I challenge you to make this one small cognitive adjustment every time you eat. Every time you eat, just make this small adjustment. Cassie and I made this adjustment when we were in South Africa, and it helped us defeat our entitlement that we had in another country. Every meal that we have, we have a thankful jar. And you've, I've told you about this. We take these little black-eyed peas, and it's nothing spiritual about it. It's just we didn't eat it. And so we used them. And so we put them in the jar. And now we buy black-eyed peas just because we use them for our thankful beans. And every night at dinner, we say something for which we're thankful. And even when we don't have the thankful beans, it's not the beans. It's about being thankful. And we say something for which we are thankful for in our day because we recognize everything we are and everything we have. It comes from God. And when I pray, and right now, I, I honestly take control of the prayer when it's in our home because I want to teach our kids something. I want to remind, I want to model this for our kids. And I stop and, and it's, God, we thank you for all these things after we do this. And we thank you. We pause to reflect that everything we have and everything we are, it comes from you and it belongs to you. We want to steward it for your purpose. And then I say this. Thank you for loving us and sending Jesus to show us your love for us by dying for us. We will never forget it. Because this is the lens I want my family to see the world. This is the world. This is the lens I want to see every circumstance I go through. This is the lens I want to see every difficulty I go through. See, this is what it is. So we tell him thanks. So make it a habit to tell God thank you. Also, tell others. Tell others thank you. And or, you could do either one, say I thank God for you. We need to do this. We need to tell others thank you. When you tell someone thank you, you, you're acknowledging how God's grace was expressed toward you through them and their generosity. And their, you don't take them for granted. You don't take what they did for you for granted. Because to take it for granted means you expected it. Entitled people don't always say thank, thank you, but... Grateful people always do. And saying thank you is a testimony of God's grace expressed to you through them. And we don't expect thanks from God or others. We don't expect it, but we know we are called to do is to give thanks to God for others and for everything. So I want to ask you today, for what do you need to tell God thank you today? What is it? Then you need to use your words and tell him thank you. Also, to whom do you need to express your gratitude? Years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I wrote a card, a little thank you note to someone in my life who, when I was 16 years old, gave me an opportunity to mow their yard. Their businesses actually gave me their businesses. And I had, you know, I probably didn't do a good job as he could have had all the money in the world to hire somebody that could do it better. But he, he allowed me to do it. You know what that opportunity turned into? He also paid for my first semester of my ministry school. Who am I to think that I've earned anything that God in his grace has given me everything? Who do you need to say thank you to? Maybe it's to a parent. You need to send a text message. Maybe it's to um, a, a coworker. Maybe it's to someone. You need to tell them thank you. And you need to tell them, I thank God for you because I don't take his grace or your grace because that's what it says. Express gratitude says, I don't take 
your grace for granted. I'm not entitled to it, so I'm going to be grateful for it. I'm not entitled to anything, so I will be grateful and thankful for everything. And this is what the Apostle Paul, as he would teach the churches and he would equip the churches that he started, he would make this final statement in his letters. And this is what he would say to the Thessalonians. He would say, rejoice always as he's ending this letter. Pray continually. Give thanks in. Give thanks in. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the circumstances you feel grateful for, but in every circumstance you give thanks for. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then to the church in Ephesus. He would say, always giving thanks to God, our, the Father, for everything. Really for everything? For the cancer? For the loss? For the lack? Paul would say, for everything. For everything. And here's one thing I've learned my simple short time as a Christ follower. There are things that are difficult for me to give thanks for. But when I learn to give thanks in it, I will learn to be thankful for it. And that's my challenge. And we're going to take a moment and I want to invite you to stand and let's sing this song and begin to express our gratitude. God, we don't take anything for granted. We're not entitled to it. And so we are going to be grateful for it. In Jesus' name, let's sing together.